As we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, uh, Dr. Battle is going to be preaching on the topic of the power of a good example. We're going to read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. This is the word of our Lord. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of our God and Father, knowing, beloved brethren, your election by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of man we were among you for your sake. And you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with with joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. For from you the word of the Lord has sounded forth, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. Your faith toward God has gone out, so that we do not need to say anything. For they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you. And how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray. Father, we pray that you be with your servant today as he opens your word. We pray that your spirit be working in him, through him, and in us. For asking in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Today we have the privilege of welcoming Dr. John Battle to our pulpit. Dr. Battle is the professor of theology and New Testament at Western Reform Seminary. He was uh, my professor when I was in seminary uh, 25 years ago. And uh, one of the greatest things about, other than the actual teaching, one of the greatest things about being in class with Dr. Battle was that he left at his own jokes and make them way funnier because he laughed, laughed at his own uh, jokes. If you have ever been a student of his, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so, Dr. Battle, thank you for being willing to do that for us, and we pray the Lord's blessing upon you. Well, thank you, Pastor T2. And, well, that's the first time I've had that referred to as a yeah, something to re- remember, you know, something to be remembered for. We just talk behind your back. Yeah, <laughs> I appreciate the fact that there's a little platform here that enables me to see the front row. <laughs> Last time I preached here, it was kind of like this. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> well, it is indeed a pleasure to be back here again and uh, this morning. And this afternoon, I'm going to be preaching on this same chapter And uh, this morning, emphasizing verses 6, 7, and 8, and then this afternoon, verses 9 and 10. As we look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we mention, we see the word uh, that Paul mentions, examples. You all became examples. 
You know, an example is something that you follow, isn't it? You know, a story is told, and I think it may be true, I don't know, but uh, even if it's not true, it's still a good story. And that's uh, that in the city of Amsterdam, uh, there is a church, the Church of St. Nicholas. And there's an, another large building in Amsterdam from the time of the Renaissance period, uh, the Civil Hall of Amsterdam. And that both of these buildings had uh, bells in their towers uh, for signaling the times of the day. Uh, the church, of course, be, uh, signaling the times of the day when you would gather for various prayers and worship services. And then the, the uh, civil clock was just to mark out the times of the day, especially for the businesses and the commerce and so forth that were always going on in that great trading city. And that one man was investigating uh, how these bell ringers uh, set their time and knew when to ring the bells. And the, the went to the uh, church, and there the, the, the minister of the church told him, well, it's the, the uh, we know that at noon every day that clock, that bell rings over in the civic hall there. And so we can use that as our guide. And then he went to the civic hall and said, well, we know that every day at a certain time, that church bell rings, and we set our time with that. And, uh, and of course, uh, you could imagine over weeks and months that the time probably sort of drifted, I would imagine. So if somebody actually had a, uh, an accurate atomic clock there, he would notice that these clocks, these bells were way off. But they both were the same. And when you think about following an example... You want to follow an example that will be accurate and not one that is movable because it follows some other example. And we see in this particular passage here that when Paul talks about you became examples, that there's a chain of examples that leads back to the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And that's pointed out here if you look in verse um, 6. You became followers of us and of the Lord, so that you were examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia. You followed us and the Lord. Paul says, we follow the Lord. You follow us and the Lord. And so the Lord provides the anchor, the accurate time, that if you are an example of what Christ is, then those who follow after you will be following a good example. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's what we see here in this passage, that we are to be examples. And Paul praised the Christians in Thessalonica because they were indeed true examples of what Christ had been and had done. So I'd like for us to notice in these three verses how we are to follow the example of good Christians and then how we are to follow the example of the Lord and then finally how we are to ourselves be examples for others. But I'd like for us to think of these, this chain of example in four different areas, in faith, in life, in patience, 
and in our zeal. And we see Christ as an example of those things. And we should also be examples of those things. So start with follow the example of good Christians. And we see that there in verse 6. He says, you became followers of us. Now, when Paul says you're a follower of us, he is saying you follow us in a good way. You follow us in those areas where we provide a good example. Now, there are a lot of things that we all do that really aren't good examples, but they're easier to follow. Remember uh, Dr. Machen, the famous Greek professor, had a habit when he taught Greek of putting an eraser on his head. And then as he would teach, he would walk around with his eraser on his head. And the students thought that was rather peculiar. And many of them mentioned it in, uh, when they wrote or talked about Dr. Machen. And some of them would imitate him, sort of making fun. And so they put an eraser on their head and walk around and say, I'm, I'm Machen. <laughs> well, you think about that. You know, that's a way you can imitate Machen. That's pretty easy. But actually, if you really want to imitate Machen, you'd have to be a little bit more diligent than that. <laughs> to follow him in the way that he was exceptional, you would have to become a great scholar of the Greek New Testament. And uh, that's a lifetime of work right there to be a really uh, a follower of his example. It's true for us, too. Uh, I laugh at my own jokes. So if you laugh at your own jokes, you could say you're just like Dr. Battle. <laughs> and that's easy to do, isn't it? <laughs> I do it all the time. But... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know uh, it may be harder to do other things that I do which may be equally foolish but uh, some things are easier but as far as following other Christians we don't just follow their peculiarities uh, we just don't follow the things that are easy to follow we, we follow those things that other Christians do which are difficult which require discipline, which require sacrifice, which require practice, which require wisdom. And when we see people exercising these virtues, those are the things that we are to follow as their example. When uh, the book of Hebrews concludes, it says, remember those who had the rule over you and remember the outcome of their life, whose ways follow so you think about the ministers, the elders who have passed on and have been faithful their whole life in serving Christ and being faithful ministers in his church. And you look, think about them. That's what we should be seeking to imitate. And that's the thing that we should look for. So we mentioned faith. The Apostle Paul says here in verse 6 that you received the word you received the word from us. And if you're going to follow a good Christian, you're going to be following the word of that Christian. And in Paul's case, the word was the word of God. When we talk to people, you know the phrase seasoned with salt, that what we speak should be wise. It should be biblical. It should be encouraging us to follow Christ. 
And we follow the example in faith of those who are our examples. So follow the examples of those who spoke the truth. Right now I'm reading through a recently published uh, translation in the 1990s of Augustine's unfinished work against Julian of Aclanum, who was the leading Pelagian scholar of his day. And this had never before been translated into English until this translation. It's about 700 pages and a small print. So uh, uh, it's plowing through it. But it's interesting, as uh, uh, Augustine argues with this heretic, he keeps referring to the fact that he is following the teachings of those who have been in the church before him. And he often refers to Cyprian and Ambrose and Hilary and others who had gone before who were faithful fathers in the church. And he says, your doctrine is new. Nobody has believed this before. This is something you know, that hasn't been believed in the past by the leaders of the Christian church. And, of course, Augustine goes back to the scriptures to prove that his points. But it's important for us to provide in our words the example. So when others think about what we say, it is indeed an example of faith. We also see in verse 5 an example of his life. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sake. You remember how we lived. You remember our life, that we backed up what we said by our way of life. People can hear you talk, and they should receive good truth from what you say, but they also observe how you live. And if your life contradicts what you say, it will have a very deleterious effect. It will be harmful to your testimony and to their lives as well. So our lives are to be good and godly. And so we are to seek out examples of those who are good and godly. It may not be necessarily one of the elders or the pastor. It might be another member of the church that has, as you observe, especially godly life. They show the virtues of Christianity in their heart, in their speech, in their way of behavior, in their treatment of others. And as you observe these people, you can look at them and say, that's a good example. You can look out for parents and say, here are parents whose children are honoring Christ and are obedient. And how do they get, how do they do that? (laughs) So you look to see a good example. So seek out those who are examples in life. Uh, The scriptures talk about the older women instructing the younger women and so on in many areas of life. The power of an example in life. And then he mentions also patience. He says, you received the word in much affliction, in verse 6. As people endure suffering for Christ, how do they respond to that? Jesus talked about people that when they come to persecution, they give it up. It's like the plant that grows quickly, but when the sun comes out, it dies off because they don't have a root. And Jesus said, so is the one who hears and receives the word with joy, 
but there is no root, and so when persecution comes, they give up. When it gets to be harder to be a Christian, and that could mean just getting dressed up for Sunday morning, but it can mean more than that, can it? And as people turn away from Christ because of difficulties, that's an evidence that they don't have that root. So look for people that are faithful in persecution, people that have to struggle to serve Christ, people who are giving their testimony even when it hurts them. Those are examples. We know that in the history of the church, it was said that the blood of the martyrs was the seed, the seed of the church, because they provided that example of receiving the word in all affliction and being faithful. And then finally, we have the idea of zeal. Your, your diligence, your working hard, your, your enthusiasm for the things of God. And in this case, Paul says, you received the word, in verse 6, with joy of the Holy Spirit. And I like, I like that phrase. You received it with the joy of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just sort of a, a dead thing to you. It wasn't just a matter of duty only, but it was a matter of joy, a matter of enthusiasm, a matter of, of enjoyment that we love and enjoy the things of God. And are there people like that that you know? If so, follow that example. Look for that example. People that love the things of God and that are truly happy when they are doing God's will. So follow the example of other Christians. We notice also in, secondly, that we are told to follow the Lord. He says, you have become followers of us and of the Lord. The Lord, when Paul uses that expression, he means the Lord Jesus, Jesus Christ. Follow Jesus Christ as an example. And once again, I'd like for us to think of those four areas um, turn for a moment to the book of Hebrews. That's just a few pages over to the right. <laughs> if you're reading English, if you're reading Hebrew Bible, it would be to the left, I suppose. I have a Hebrew New Testament, which is uh, much easier to translate than the Hebrew Old Testament. <laughs> Maybe because it's more familiar. I think that's the reason. But... Uh, here, as you go to the book of Hebrews, I'd like you to look, first of all, at Hebrews chapter 12. That the Lord Jesus was an example of faith. Faith. And here in chapter 12 of Hebrews, in verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged. We notice here that the Lord Jesus Christ was an example of faith. He endured these sufferings because he had faith. He believed. He was the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured those things. 
Now, when you talk about the joy set before him, it means that the Lord Jesus, when he endured his sufferings, had a vision or an understanding and faith in what would come after those sufferings. The joy that was set before him. What was that joy? Well, we all know that as our Messiah, God raised him up and gave him a people for his name, a kingdom for himself, and glory as the Redeemer of God's people that will never, ever fade away. And that the fellowship we will have with him will be blessed. We know that the Lord Jesus is God and man. And God, you can't make God any happier than he is. God is totally blissful and unchangeable. But as a man, the Lord Jesus in his human nature actually experiences changes in his, what we might call in his emotions. So he can be sad. He can be happy. And as Jesus looks forward as a man to the sufferings of death, he is filled with dread. And we know there are verses that talk about that. How he was anxious looking ahead to those sufferings and to bearing our sins and to separating, uh, being judged by God for our sins. And yet on the other hand, he had faith. Faith that God would receive that sacrifice. That he would be raised from the dead. That He would receive the promises made to him as our Messiah and that we would have fellowship with him forever in glory. And that's the joy set before him. And it says because he had that faith, he endured those sufferings. And he's an example for us in that way. We know many of the martyrs of the Lord endured terrible sufferings. But they could not have endured those sufferings if they did not have faith that they would be glorified and that by their sufferings they would be even receive even greater blessings. So that, as Paul says, the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared with the glories that shall be revealed in us. So our Lord Jesus is an example of faith. We see also that our Lord Jesus is an example in his way of life. And here in the book of Hebrews again, there are these famous passages at the beginning of the book in chapter 2 and in chapter 4, where it speaks about the Lord Jesus in his life as an example for us. For example, here in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 17, Therefore in all things... He had to be made like his brethren, that is, like us, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. And then you look at the end of chapter 4, verse 14. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Our Lord Jesus faithfully endured temptation and resisted the temptation to sin and endured the sufferings that resulted from that resistance. Our Lord Jesus is an example for us. We can come to him for help. He has endured the same things, even greater things than we are going through. So when we have a time of need, we can find in him a faithful high priest who can sympathize and help us in our need. So when we think we're being set upon, think of the Lord Jesus and receive strength from that, his example and his help. He is also an example of patience in suffering. In the, in, uh, after the book of Hebrews comes James and then 1 Peter. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, there's a passage that speaks about Jesus' patience and endurance. In 1 Peter 2 verse 19, we read, It is commendable if because of conscience toward God, one endures grief, suffering wrongfully, For what credit is it when you are beaten for your faults if you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you you take it patiently, it is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps, who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Our Lord Jesus provides for us an example of patience in suffering. We notice also in the scriptures, that Jesus Christ is an example of zealous service, enthusiastic, joyful service of God. And one other passage I'd like for us to look at here in this regard is in Hebrews chapter 10 again, Hebrews 10 and verse 5. Our Lord Jesus, you might say, didn't do things by halves. He was always fully committed to what he did. We notice here in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 5, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me. I have come to do your will, O God. Our Lord Jesus Christ gave himself joyfully, willingly, a body you have prepared for me. I have heard your word. I have come to obey you. There he was, ready to serve, and an example for us in service. I've often heard sermons from Isaiah, the passage where he says, Here I am, send me. That's a, a great thought from the prophet Isaiah. But this passage in Hebrews, quoting from the Psalms, Speaking of Christ is an even greater coming. Here I am, send me. I have come to do your will, O God. Our Lord Jesus Christ provides that example. 
an example of zeal for service, an example which the Apostle Paul followed and which we are to follow. And finally, this morning, I'd like for us to think about being a good example for others. We look around for people to follow. We follow our Lord Jesus Christ first. We follow those who are faithfully following Christ. And then Paul wants us, ourselves, to become followers whom others can follow. Followers who lead in the truth. Back here in in our passage in 1 Thessalonians, in verse 7, Paul says, You became followers of us and of the Lord, so that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. You became an example too. People are following you. People are encouraged by what you're doing. That's really neat. It's wonderful when people follow you. You've been following someone else all the time, and you turn around, and, oh, there's people following you. <laughs> it's kind of encouraging. But it's also a responsibility, isn't it? It's also a burden in a way, because now, when we do something, others will follow. So we have to make doubly sure we're doing the right thing as we go along. I don't know if I've, I've never led a tour in Europe like a brother Bond has, but I, I always wonder, you know, if I did, if people would follow me, you know, because I, I remember when I went on a tour with Dr. McIntyre one time, he had his little group and we were going around. And I like to take my camera and get different perspectives from, from my photographs. And so I said, well, there's a big tree up there. If I get the branch just over that, that'll look really cool. So I go walking off and wandering up there. And, and meanwhile, the group has gone. And uh, uh, then I realized uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not following anybody's example. I hope nobody's following me. <laughs> but sometimes... We need that encouragement because people do follow us. We are to be an example of faith. Here in verse 8, the Apostle Paul says that you're an example of faith. From you, the word of the Lord has sounded forth. People hear the truth from you. You've heard it. Now you're giving it to others. And we can always be thinking when we talk, am I giving the word of God. I am, am I giving what God would approve? Am I giving what God would want to be said in this situation? Is what I am saying compatible with God's word? And this testimony spread not only in Macedonia, where the church was located, but even down where Paul is writing from in Achaia. He says, even here in this part of Greece, we have heard the word of the Lord from you. People here have heard it from you. They were an example in their way of life as well. Back in verse 7, he says, you became examples. And in verse 3, if we look earlier, remembering your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope in the way that you live. You are examples for people here. And I hope that when people see us in our day-to-day life, whether it be at work or at school, or just uh, uh, with our friends and family, or when we're out on vacation, whatever it is we're doing, if people are seeing us, they're seeing us do good things. That we're an example of how a Christian should live. I uh, don't know if 
I'm old enough to remember the TV show Columbo, the uh, detective. And one of the things he would do if somebody was murdered is he'd go into their car and turn on the radio and see what kind of music they listened to. And he solved several cases that way. But uh, just the things we casually do in our lives, sometimes other people investigate, they see, they observe, and it may even influence what they do. Uh, the people there were also examples in suffering and in patience. Here uh, in verse 6 again, he says, You were examples having received the word in much affliction. And uh, back in verse 3, he mentioned the word patience, the patience of hope. They were steadfast in their position, even though they had to suffer for it. And then zeal in verse 8. You have shown by your activity that the word of God has gone forth from you, and you have spread it abroad in Macedonia and in Achaia, in every place. Well, that takes some effort to get that word out by your life and your testimony. So be a good example. I think we can follow the example of the Thessalonians in this regard as they followed the example of Paul, as he followed the example of Christ. And the chain goes on. And we are to continue as examples. You know, we can't always tell where our example extends and what impact it has. Uh, I'd like you to turn, as we close, to the Gospel of John, the last, well, actually, John chapter 20, next to the last chapter. In John chapter 20, there's an interesting account, a couple of verses here. There was a famous sermon preached in New York City about 100 years ago, called Unconscious Influence. And the pastor, the preacher, used as his text these two verses from John chapter 20. Actually, it's more than two verses, but basically these two. Uh, If you look in John chapter 20, verse 4, the news that the tomb was empty after the crucifixion, the burial, and now it's Easter morning, the tomb is empty, And Mary Magdalene brings the report back to the apostles Peter and John. And it says in verse 4 that, uh, verse 3, Peter went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. So we assume that this is John the apostle who wrote this gospel. And so here are Peter and John. They hear the tomb is empty. Something's wrong. So they both get up and run to the tomb. Peter is slower than John. Now, we don't know why that was. Maybe John was young, fleet-footed, and Peter a little bit older, maybe. Who knows? But John got there first. And then we skip down. Well, let's look at verse 5. He, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. So here's John. He gets there first, huffing and puffing, and uh, he looks in, and he sees the empty slab where the body had been laid. He sees the the linen cloths folded neatly, 
And what in the world is going on? He's looking at that, but he doesn't go in. He just looks from outside. And then it says in verse 8, well, actually, no, uh, yeah, verse 6, verse 6. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloths lying there. So here's Peter. He does not recognize the boundary. <laughs> he just rushes right into the tomb itself. Passes John, who's waiting at the door. Whew, runs in. And then he looks around, and he sees the same thing that, that John saw. And then you get to uh, verse 8. Then the other disciple, that's John, who came to the tomb first, went in also. And he saw and believed. He believed in Jesus' resurrection. So it's interesting. Here's John. He waits outside, kind of reverently waiting outside the tomb. And then Peter rushes into the tomb. And then John goes in after Peter does. So the preacher noticed this, and he called that unconscious influence. Why did John go into that tomb? It's because Peter went in first. If Peter hadn't gone in, John probably wouldn't have gone in either. But because Peter went in, John had the courage, I guess you'd say, fortitude, whatever, to go into the tomb as well. Kind of like these looters, you know. They don't loot the store until somebody else does. Then they all do it afterwards. That's a bad thing. But this is a good thing. So here, here Peter influenced John without even knowing it. When Peter rushed into that tomb, he wasn't thinking, well, I think John should go in there, so I'll show him an example. No, he, he didn't think about John. He's just thinking about the body of Jesus and where it was. But because he went in, John went in also. So the preacher pointed out that as we live our lives day to day, we do things because of our faith, because of our beliefs, and because you know what we're required to do, and we don't realize the influence we have on others. We may not even be aware of the others being around or, or observing us, but they do, and their actions are influenced by what we do. And so may that influence be a good one. May it be a godly one. And uh, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, may we indeed do what the Apostle said and be examples to all those, not only in Thurston County, but also in Pierce and King Counties and to the end of the earth. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege that's ours to be examples and that you have provided for us examples for us to follow, examples of fellow believers, examples of the apostles and of Christ himself. We thank you, Lord, for the privilege we have to bear this responsibility, and we pray that you would help us to be faithful, to have true faith, to have a consistent, godly Christian life, to be willing and, and able to endure sufferings for Christ and privations of various kinds because of our faith, and also that we would be zealous and joyful in our service. We pray, Lord, that you would use us then to bless and encourage others in the faith. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.